Seven o'clock, so welcome to Position of Neutrality. Welcome to New Freedom. All right. How many, how many here, Position of Neutrality, New Freedom, the first time tonight? Anybody? Oh, good, a bunch of you. Good. So first of all, welcome. Second, let us warn you in advance, you're liable to experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships that you may have attended. And the primary reason is that we intend for you to have a different experience here. Part of that new experience is we started this year opening with a prayer because where most of us come from, we're used to having a chaplain and we got a chaplain and he likes to open with a prayer. If I could have everyone please stand to your feet all over the room. This is a beautiful crowd, Joe. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again today for just another opportunity, once again, to be in your presence. We thank you, Lord, for everyone's safe travel to this place and those that are on their way. We ask you, Lord, that you will continually have your way, blessing these, your people, Lord. We believe, Lord, that we only can be healed by you. So we thank you for your healing. We thank you for the breakthrough in the lives that are in this room and those that are on their way. We thank you, Lord, that on today as we go into step two, coming to believe in a power greater than ourselves. We know that power is you. So we ask you to have your way tonight. We ask you to move throughout these aisles. Let us feel your presence as he's speaking to the men and women in this room. We ask you to show up because we know it's nothing we can do. It's only you. So we turn our heads to you tonight to hear from you through the words of this man of God that you have standing here tonight. We thank you and praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray all these things. Let everyone say amen. amen. Thank you, chap. So for those of you that haven't been here before, what we do is we just take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? Yeah, the process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. Fair enough? Yes? So what we do here is I'll try and show you how I find my experience in the book. And it may look like I'm telling you what the book says, but that's not what I'm trying to do. So it's none of my business what the book says to you. But I'm a fair expert on what it says to me. So I'm going to try and describe to you as we read through it together what it says to me, what the experience is I'm trying to relate to you. And if you do your job, we'll both share a spiritual experience in the room tonight. Fair enough? How many of you have been here before and know that I'm telling you the truth, that we are going to share an experience in here tonight? So those of you online, they're raising their hands. The anonymous nature of our fellowships, I can't show you that. You have to take my word for it. But those of you here in the room, you saw them raise their hand. When we speak of a spiritual experience in 12-step recovery, we're speaking of a sensory, tangible experience. You will feel it. And when you, don't, when you do, I'll know and I'll call it to your attention. Because we would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration. Yes, you can yell out power. That's all right. 
people that have been here before know that when we say God, what we really mean is power. Yeah, all right, so we're gonna go to our book, little chapter called We Agnostics. It's chapter four in your book, page 44. And we're gonna just plow on through it and see if we can't have our encounter with power. Fair enough? So it says, in the preceding chapters, you've learned something of alcoholism. So if you were with us last week, we looked at a bunch of chapters, more about alcoholism. There is a solution, Bill's story. How many of you have learned a little bit of something about alcoholism or addiction from this book? Some of you? How many of you learned a whole lot about alcoholism or addiction out there on the streets where it counts? So most of the experience you had before you were ever introduced to the testimony, yes? Because this book's just a book of testimony. But now, with that knowledge of your own experience, we try and align it with theirs and see if we can experience the same redemption they described. Fair enough? All right. So it says, we hope we've made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. So what was the distinction they made? They, it's very, there's one symptom we have in common. We may have many similarities, but if we are truly alcoholic, if we are an addict of the hopeless variety, we have an abnormal reaction, maybe the manifestation of an allergy, the doctor said. So what we need to find out, because people hear the word allergy and they assign a meaning to it, and it doesn't make any sense, and we tell jokes. But the reality is we have to know that this is a deadly illness, and we need to know if we're gonna self-diagnose whether or not that might be me. So where's my drinkers in the room? Any drinkers? When you drank, did you find that alcohol stimulated you? Okay, it's a sedative. So that would be an abnormal reaction to a sedative to be stimulated. Yes? So the doctor seeing that peculiar phenomena Say that may be some kind of manifestation of an allergy. Where's my, where's my heroin addicts? Need I say more? When you were out, did people think you were sick? Yeah, because you were sick, but not sick from the drug, right? Sick from the lack of drug. When you got hooked up, did they think you were all better? Hell yeah, you're cleaning the house, maybe mowing the street, whatever. That's an abnormal reaction, right? Okay, so if you have that, then we need to go further. That's the distinction. That's the one symptom we all have in common. All our other stories may be similar or vastly different, but if we have that abnormal reaction, we might want to read further. Fair enough? So they're going to give us a little test. If, when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely. Is that true for you? Did you ever honestly want to and then find you could not stop and stay stopped? Okay. Or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take. Sometimes people have a problem. They, they try and stop and stay stopped and can't. And some people realize a loss of control and it troubles them. But there's many of us who never realized a loss of control because we never tried to control it. Anyone know what I'm talking about? They, they told us in, in the more about alcoholism, the idea that he would control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession. 
And what I learned in my experience is I can control, but I don't enjoy, or I can enjoy and there's no control. Mutually exclusive. Okay. So if either of those are the case, you're probably alcoholic. Isn't it not interesting that they're not telling us anything about ourselves? Because they knew it was none of their business. What difference does it matter, my opinion of your addiction? How many people use their, the fact that they were an addict as kind of an excuse? So it doesn't mean anything, right? But once I know the gravity of it, once I know there's no way out, now I might get a little more serious. Yes? Okay. So if that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. So they're laying it out to us straight. You may be suffering from an illness that only a spiritual experience will conquer. And think about that. I have a spiritual problem. I overindulge in spirits. And I can't seem to stop overindulging in spirits. So nothing less than another spirit that will take me in another direction is going to be a sustainable solution. I cannot live abstinent. Yet I have been living what the world thinks is abstinent for a long time. You know the secret? Spiritual inebriation. Okay. So to one who feels he's an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. Do I have people who feel themselves atheist or agnostic in the room or did it one time? Very good. So we're talking to... You and we're talking to other people who believe themselves believers that are still struggling. Yes? Okay. But to continue as he is means disaster. How many of you have concluded that if I, something don't change, things are going to get rough and they're already rough? Okay. Says so especially if he's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. Did any of you get to a point where you thought maybe you might be? And the hopeless variety that we went through that last week, seldom mildly intoxicated, always more or less insanely drunk, real Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, those types, right? Okay. So then it says to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. That's funny. Sean thinks it's funny. Do you know why Sean thinks it's funny? Happy, joyous, and free. Alcoholic death. Pick one. Can I get back to you? How many of you got presented with the step experience and go, yeah, I'm working on my fourth step. Check you later. Or maybe rejected the whole deal. Rejected three because I ain't turning my will over to nothing. Or maybe you look down the list further, pay back all the people that you've harmed. Fuck. <laughs> don't, don't be trying to climb the ladder from the ninth rung. Let, let's start at step one. Make sense? All right. So says it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. So they've just given us the demographics of the people telling the story. The story is... The story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism, and it's told by the first 100. So of the first 100, about half were atheists or agnostics declared in the beginning, either believed that there was no God or God could not be proven to exist, and the other half were 
religious folks dying in their addiction nonetheless. Does that make sense? So it says, at first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. How many of you maintained, no matter how bad it got, at least one friend that you could look at and say, well, at least I'm not that bad yet. Because we're hoping against hope, right? Okay. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. I've been living a spiritual basis of life in addiction. I'm not going to live any other way but on a spiritual basis of life. I need a spiritual way of life that reveals power to me because lack of power is my dilemma. We're about to get there. Right? All right, so, so, so perhaps it's going to be that way with you, but cheer up. Something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows you, you not, need not be disconcerted. So to the atheists or the agnostics in the room, regardless of what you may have heard in fellowship, the original witness is we started out thinking we were atheists or agnostic. The experience changed our mind because I did not want to remain powerless because I was not enjoying the slow death my addiction was. Any of you get to a place where you're just a dead shell of a person walking around with no explanation of why and no way to manifest any action that showed you cared? So we don't want to leave anybody there, do we? Okay. So it says, if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to, come o- to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. So most of us have tried... Changing our playmates and our playgrounds. I used to hear that a lot in the fellowships. There was no playmate or playground I couldn't find a hookup from. My addiction was never their problem. But we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us no matter how much we tried. Any of you try and lock yourself away? Before someone else locked you away? We could wish to be moral, we could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. Any of you relate to that experience? They're talking to you in earnestness now. I wanted to do better. I had plans. I had a family I wanted to take care of. I had parents I wanted to please. I had a grounding in the church that I wanted to, even if I didn't understand it, I wanted to at least walk in with my head high and maybe have someone explain it to me, but I couldn't. Get out of my cycle downward. Anyone with me? Okay. So those of you that are feeling it, that's not happening from up here. That's happening in you. That's the power we call God stirring within you. Does it make sense? Because I'm feeling many of you go with me. Okay. So it says our human resources as marshaled by the will were not sufficient. They failed utterly. We're going to start talking about it. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. A dilemma by definition definition is this crossroads I come to and there's just alternatives. There's not a choice. I'm either going to go into the train wreck or I'm going to radically go in the other direction. And the other direction is uncomfortable or unfamiliar and therefore frightening. Anyone with me? Okay. So we had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. They put that in italics so we would think about it. 
It took time to reset the type in order to do that at the time of the publication of this book. So understand, they didn't say I need a power to not use because it takes no power to not use. I need a power to live because I had a power within me that wanted me dead. And no matter how bad I said I wanted to live, no outward action showed that I had any interest in it. Does that make sense? Okay. So this is power to live, and it says obviously, but where and how are we to find this power? Well, that would be the question, wouldn't it? Now, one of the things I've learned over lots of years is never leave methamphetamine or cocaine addicts waiting or they take apart the furniture. <laughs> so let's go to page 55. Yeah. Okay, so 55 second paragraph. Actually, we were fooling ourselves, for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. Thank you for that. When we say God, you say power. So, everyone in this room, either man, woman, or child, or some combination thereof, we make room for everybody. So, every one of us, deep down inside of us, is the fundamental idea of God, according to their witness. Now, over the years, people have said, so you just come up with your own idea of God. Have you ever heard that? But that's not what they said. They said deep down inside of you is God's idea for you. Does that make sense? Do not find yourself creating the creator, regardless of how wise you think the one advising you to do that is the main problem centers in the mind but God has put a power and a purpose within you and all we're going to do is take them for a walk alright so says it may be obscured by calamity by pomp by worship of other things but in some form or other it's there Calamity. Any of you have a rough start? Bad upbringing? World responded badly to you? Pomp? I don't know what it looks like for you, but when good things were happening, I did it. And when bad things were happening, y'all did it. <laughs> worship of other things? Come on, any addiction knows that deal. But we worshiped ideas about ourselves. We worshiped Things, power, prestige, yes? All right. And then it says, for some form or other it's there, for faith and a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. We finally saw, who's we? The first 100. You've got to get this somewhere tonight. We're going to have your encounter, regardless whether you're atheist, agnostic, or religious, dying in addiction. We're going to have this encounter that's going to take you radically in another direction. Yep. And, and we need to understand who's telling this story. Because if this isn't your story, it just means you haven't done what they did. Okay, so we finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. How many of you have had a friend? Only three of you. <laughs> All right, kind of a slow group. I got a bunch of tweakers in here, don't I? Y'all had friends nobody saw. 
So all they're saying is if you've ever had a friend, ask yourself, how'd that friend make you feel? No, for you religious types, we're not saying that God is a feeling. But we are saying the awareness of your feeling is the power we call God. That's why we improve consciousness, the awareness of being aware. Later in the steps, you're going to improve consciousness so that you can witness with power, yet be apart from those things that might be devastating to you emotionally, but impactful to someone else emotionally. And so we need you conscious so you're the experiencer of thought and emotion, not the thought and emotion yourself. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says, sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there, capital H. Think they did that by mistake? So they just told me where and how. Where are we going to find this power? Deep down inside every one of us. And how are we going to find it? Sometimes we're going to have to search fearlessly. Now it's starting to make sense that I'm going to pray for power in the next step to go inward and do a searching and fearless moral inventory of me. And it was never about telling the gnarly things about me to you. It was about accessing power I desperately needed. Getting armed with the facts about me. I am an addict of the hopeless variety. I don't stop until I'm chained up, locked up, or in a coma somewhere. And then one day, pow, an encounter happens and I'm never the same. And all these years later, we come and share that with you because we encountered that power and that power is within you. And then you walk out into a new life. Does it make sense? Because God's power and purpose was for that. So my friend Chaplain Lee does a sermon every so often about taking the facts about the hopeless, drunk, and psychotic that I was. And I got papers. And I took those facts to the truth found within me. And then I started following those leadings and teachings and serving. And today, I am the chief executive officer of the largest reentry center in the country. And that's not about me. We built this house for you. Because I expect to hear those stories for years from you guys. All right, so it says he was as much a fact as we were. We found the great reality deep down within us, and in the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. It was so with us. That's their witness. Does it make sense? It's also my witness, and I will witness to you about you. The same process, the same rigorous honesty, the same redemptive outcome, because he will not do for me what he will not, what he won't do for you. That's just the way it is. All right. But that you have to come to chap service on Saturday if you want to get all the scriptural sightings. That's not my, that's not my wing. All right. So let's go back to page. Where do I got to go back to? 45. 45. All right. So I'm on page 45. And it says, well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. So whatever problem you brought here, many people get to us and they haven't had an active addiction in a long time, but they're still stuck in some limiting thoughts about themselves, who they are. Our whole purpose here is to introduce you to who you are and whose you are so you can walk out of here confident. Right? And, and that's, that's it. That's all we're here to do. 
Now, I wasn't going to do anything for you because the one who does it all for all of us is here present all the time. Everyone walks in here and says, man, you feel something when you come in. Yeah, you feel healing. You feel the Holy Spirit. That's what you feel. All right. So it says that means we've written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral. And it means, of course, that we are going to talk about God. Oh, that was weak. It means, of course, that we're going to talk about God. Oh, that's so much better. And you're trying to yell all the way to Canada. You've got to get it out, man. <laughs> so here difficulty arises with agnostics. Many times we talk to a new man and watch his hope rise as we discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship. So how many of you learned there was a fellowship for whatever you were chasing and you felt a little better when you saw someone doing better and they were telling you about the meetings and the friends they'd met? Okay. Then it says, but his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God. For we've reopened a subject which our man thought he had neatly evaded or entirely ignored. So did that happen to any of you? It's like, really? I'm good with all the recovery, just none of that God part. Guys, there's no God part. There's a God entirety and a Joe part. I'm not telling you your story. I'm telling you my story. All right. So it says, we know how he feels. We have shared his honest doubt. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. So if you're new and this stuff is resonating, but you don't get it, all I'm here to tell you is share your honest doubt and prejudice. We can't help you if you don't. And if you just want to be silly, then we're going to let you be silly because if you're not at least... 10% invested in the recovery that I'm 100% invested in for you, it's not going to work. So it says, some of us have been violently anti-religious. Anybody? To others, the word God... Oh, that was weak. To others, the word God... That's so much better. Brought up a particular idea of him which, which, with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. How many of you were hurt by a church or by church people and that's why you formulated the opinion you have? Or had? So we'll apologize in advance that humans hurt you, but that was not God. That was people acting badly. And so, so what we would like for you to understand is we're going to do our best to not be people acting badly and we're going to ask you to leave those hurts at the door so we can help you walk out in them because there's going to be a lot of people out there to heal with the very hurts you've experienced. Does that make sense? Okay. So perhaps we've re re rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. How many of you didn't think it was, didn't make any sense? The religious teaching you were hearing, why, why would it be that and not this? And Trying to rationalize the whole... Okay. With that rejection, we imagined we had abandoned the God idea entirely. Anybody? It's easy to just forget, right? How many of you got to feeling alone out there in the world? How many of you have since learned that we were never alone? And as we grow in it, we don't need to be reminded quite as often. Okay. So it says, we were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power greater than ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. How many of you, because of the image you were trying to 
hold simply could not declare the belief she were trying to form. A lot of times that happens to us, guys, and it's not just the reentry world, it's the whole recovery world. We wanna, I'll hear people say, I ain't different at all, I just don't use. And I heard that at first and I go, oh, that sounds interesting. But when it got really bad for me, I knew that wasn't a plan that would work for me. Because the guy who behaved like I behaved had to, had to medicate. So I had to be radically different right away. Not perfect, not good, just radically different right away. And then I had to walk out into the guy I've become. And the guy I've become is anything far from perfect. But I will tell you this, I'm a much better man than I ever wished to be. That's why I know that it wasn't me, because I never planned for me to be this me. So I know the spirit man's doing it. So we looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. Any of you get there? We looked askance at many individuals who claim to be godly. We still do that, don't we? Okay. How could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? Question mark. In this book, if they got a question mark, it's a time to go inward. Eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. Have I had this thought? How could a supreme being have anything to do with all this war and pestilence and mistreatment? Any of you think? Okay. And who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Any of you had those thoughts? Now they're going to talk to us about your encounter, and we're going to see if we can raise some awareness. Yet in other moments, we found ourselves thinking when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all this? So how many of you are railing against the wind? I don't believe in nothing. I get everything for myself. It's all about what I can do. How many of you got to a point where that wasn't working either? And you started looking around and thought, Wow, how come this? They're talking about a starlit night. They're talking about something in nature so awe-inspiring, it's almost like you're out of yourself. You ever had that out-of-body experience? Any of you ever been at the birth of your children? More men than women, because women are going through the birth of their children. <laughs> but seeing nature in such a pure form, and it literally felt like you were witnessing a miracle, because you were. Okay says there was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. You remember that moment when you saw something spectacular apart from yourself and were moved in the spirit? That's one way. How many of you have been in a dangerous situation? Look at who I'm talking to. Okay. When the shooting, the fight, the car wreck, when that happened, did you notice that time seemed to slow down? Anyone know what I'm talking about? When that happened, you experienced your consciousness. That's one of the names we call this power. How many of you have been an athlete? Ever make the perfect catch, the perfect dive, the perfect throw, the perfect shot? Do you notice when you were doing it, there was no doubt? You, you were practiced, you knew what you were doing. You saw yourself making that play or whatever it was. 
When that happened, you experienced your intuitive self. Everyone have such an experience? I know a lot of you did because I'm feeling you powerfully up here. We would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration. When you feel it, that's happening in you. The fact that I know it, we've demonstrated for you the oneness. Does it make sense? So everyone that cared to have an experience, perfect. Then it says, yes, we of agnostic temperament have had these thoughts and experiences. So congratulations, those of you who cared to and had it, you've had your encounter. Your life will never be the same, but you've had it. Some of you are feeling it again now, because the amps are high. We need Shap to come up and do an altar call. <laughs> okay. Let us make haste to reassure you. We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results, even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. So you see, I'm not making it up. That's their testimony. They're not talking about you and me. They're talking about them. But I'm sharing with you what it was for me, and we're sharing collectively what it was for us right here in this moment. And that power is God. Make sense? All right. And none of us can fully define or comprehend that power. So you biblical students, lean not on your own understanding. This was never about your understanding. The understanding we grow in is not our own. Look at the step. It's always as we understood him. The God I understood then is not the God I understand now. I now have the mind of Christ. And he's very understanding. Much to our relief, we discovered we need not consider another's conception of God. Why not? God's not a concept. The fundamental idea of God is placed within me, which is the purpose for which I was created and the power to carry that out. Yes? Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and effect a contact with him. So I start wherever I am, just honest, out, and prejudiced. If I don't believe God can be proven to exist, let's chop it up. A whole bunch of you know God can be proven to exist. He showed up here tonight. Didn't require your belief. Required his belief. But if you want to get to where you got a better life going on, now it's your turn to believe. Based on the encounter you've had. Does it make sense? And you'll demonstrate your belief by your action. Make sense? Okay. We do not think our way into better acting. That's what we've been trying to do in addiction. Isn't it? So once we've had an encounter with power, we act our way into better thinking. I'll still think like Joe, but I'll act more like him. And in time, I'll resist him less as I go through the world trying to be useful. And he will use you for greater and greater things. He did me and he won't do it for me if he won't do it for you. All right. So as soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. So they, lack of power was their dilemma. And then they began to be possessed of, so don't, don't read that as possessed by. They're not talking about head spinning around and green stuff coming out. <laughs> possessed of, I have access to power flowing through me, but not of me. Does that make sense? Yes. 
But it says, provided they took other simple steps. What do you imagine those are? Yeah, since I'm in two, probably three through 12. Kind of makes sense, right? Okay. So then it says, we found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. If I'm seeking, terms aren't hard. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It's open, we believe, to all men. Their belief was informed by their experience of the first 100 and their experience in walking the first several thousand into freedom. I got a call this morning from our lobbyist at the legislature. Some of you were following our thing at the end of last year, the little... We went through a pruning in God's garden. And we, we did that because he wanted to produce a harvest. And you always prune that which you want an abundant harvest from. So anyway, down at the Senate today, they passed our bill that makes us an approved equal for SAGE. So pretty soon, pretty soon, if you're coming to us, you won't have to get on the phone with SAGE. It's going to take a few months, but we got passed out of committee today. So, All right, so guys, we are contending for all of you as we have for years, and we will continue doing it. And all we want you to do is go out and live your best life and show everybody whatever they ever thought about people coming out of incarceration, they were wrong. So I said, do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. So if you don't understand a term we're using, ask us and we'll find a definition that makes sense. We'll sit there and chop it up till it makes sense. That's why the old timers gave them a dictionary. Not to tell you what the word meant, so you can find a definition that doesn't bother you. Don't change the words, that's their testimony. This is their testimony. This is their revelation of God in them. We do not change revelation. There's consequences for that. What we do is align our experience with theirs. Does that make sense? At the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth, to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. You can't have a conscious relation with an understanding without an attached experience. I had a conscious relation with heroin. If I do this, I will experience that. Anyone else? So to have a conscious relation, it's experiential. I didn't sit and stare at a bottle and think, oh, I wonder if I could get drunk. (laughs) I snatched it up and poured it down my fool neck because I knew based on the experience I had. You've had your experience. You want a conscious relation, follow through on the manner of living. You will grow in conscious relation with a power greater than you. You will come to know the spirit man or woman within you as a part of you, but you're thinking apart from better actions. Does that make sense? Okay. So, uh-oh. I, I changed pages and now I'm just all hosed. 47. I just had eye surgery, and I'm getting blurry by this time of night, so it's getting really dicey up here. All right, so 
What did I do? Oh, that was growth. We wished to grow. We had to begin somewhere, so we used our own conception, however limited it was. We needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe, that there is a power greater than myself? That's something you do by yourself. Look in a mirror. Do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe? And I, and I you know, because I know a lot of you are, are here programming. Guys, how many of you two, three years ago thought you were completely forgotten by everybody? I'm here to tell you, you got evidence, the fact that this was here for you to come to. There's a power greater than you, because I bet you didn't think this up. I didn't think this up. This, was, this came to me. That's the craziest fucking idea I ever heard. <laughs> but here we are. And if you're in 12-step recovery and you don't believe there's a power greater than you, you're wasting valuable high time. Because at a minimum, heroin, methamphetamine, cocaine, alcohol is a power greater than you. You wouldn't come to us. Right? So if, if you come to believe in an illness, then you'll come to believe you need a healer. And then you'll do these steps and you'll, you'll encounter him. And those of you who did, you, you already have. Okay. All right, as soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he's on his way. Have you got the emphasis from what I'm talking to you about tonight? I emphatically assure you you're on your way. Why? Because he showed up, he touched you, he's real. Walk into it. He will prove himself to you through you. Walk around here every day. Watch people having their first. We set the captives free. I want to... Pull Jesus up here singing in a minute. <laughs> I'm not going to throw you under the bus, buddy. I do all day, though, don't I? It's been repeatedly proven among us that this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure, can be built. What cornerstone? The cor corner cornerstone religiously, you know what that is, but the cornerstone in recovery is willingness. So what you need to understand about willingness is it's divine power. It flows through me, but it is not of me. It wasn't until I had my encounter that I was willing to walk out this manner of living that has revealed this power to me through me consciously. Does it make sense? Okay. So that was great news to us, for we'd assumed we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith which seemed difficult to believe. How many of you have walked away because you just didn't believe as emphatically as somebody you met that did? Some of us do that, right? That sounds rigid or whatever. Okay, so it says, when people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has, but I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believes. I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. Any of you in that class? I can see he believes, but I still can't quite get there. That's okay. He meets you where you are. Whatever you need to come to believe, he's going to bring with you. And all you got to do is acknowledge the encounter you've had and walk in the direction suggested. Make a decision. Learn the facts. Take the facts to the truth. Get your healing. Make amends for harms done. Start growing in your prayer and meditation. Go see your priest, minister, or rabbi. Start reading their books. Make use of what they offer. They'll get to that later. Just I'm trying to give you a preview. 
So it's comforting to learn that we can commence at a simpler level. All we want to tell you is wherever you are, I don't care where you are. If you're still really struggling in your belief, that's fine. If you believe you could use some help, that's enough. If you could humble yourself enough to ask someone for help, you've already entered the 12th step because you'll help them more than they'll help you. It's that simple. Okay. So besides the seeming inability to accept much on faith, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. Any of you ever found yourself handicapped by any of those things? You used to hear it a lot. I'm sensitive because I'm alcoholic. You guys ever hear that? You guys been around a minute? You're not sensitive because you're alcoholic, but because you are alcoholic, if you are, your sensitivity is killing you. Which is why you would want to grow in consciousness so you'd realize those thoughts and emotions, although flowing through you, are not who you are. You're the experiencer of those things. And if you improve consciousness, then those things... All right, so many of us have been so touchy that even a casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. Any of you been there? Some of you probably there tonight. I get it. Sometimes these messages are uncomfortable for me to deliver. I'm like, really? You really want me to say that? Okay, here we go. I get, I get that people are uncomfortable. I was once uncomfortable. I'm comfortable now. That's all. If you want to be comfortable, let us introduce you to what makes us comfortable. Okay, so this sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. So we're going to learn to capture the thoughts before they become emotional storms. And the discipline is simply when you find yourself in a thought storm, an emotional storm, turn your thoughts to someone you can help. Yep. All right, so faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we'd tried to be on other questions. How many of you got reasonable and came to recovery and discovered more in recovery than you thought you would find? So reasonable is a precondition. If I got here and got my own ideas, I'm probably going to go employ them. But when I'm out of ideas, then I'm willing to hear Somebody who looks like they know what they're talking about. How many of you heard people around here and you saw people and you knew them when you were out running amok and you see them doing better and you're going, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Well, that's all these guys are talking about. We're just peers. Ain't no, no one superior here. Son of man came to serve, not to be served. All right, so in this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. They sincerely hope that. How many of you discovered that your own addiction was a tedious process? We hope you won't be as prejudiced as some of us were. All right, fair enough. All right, so... The reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. Anybody? Okay, the guy's talking. It sounds reasonable. But why should I believe? Anyone there? I know you don't want to raise your hand, but that's okay. <laughs> so they say, we think there are good reasons. Let's have a look at them. 
The practical individual of today is a stickler for facts and results. Nevertheless, the 20th century readily accepts theories of all kinds, provided they're firmly grounded in fact. Right? We have numerous theories, for example, about electricity. Everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. Why this ready acceptance? Question mark. Why do you believe in electrical theory? Because I got the shit shocked out of me. <laughs> so Sean, in his eloquent way, has described his experience of the effects of electrical theory. The authors are not making too hard terms because God revealed himself to them through this story and he doesn't make too hard terms. All they're saying is we don't ask you to believe in anything that you have not first experienced the effects of. Hence the, hence the encounter here tonight. You now have experienced the effects and we've told you those effects. And it wasn't a theory. It was not a theory. <laughs> right? right? So nobody's... Nobody's asking you to believe in anything you haven't experienced. And now you're going to have to walk it out. Does that make sense? Okay. Simply because it's impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. So I spent my whole life like the horse with a, chasing a carrot on a stick. And when that happens, I'll be happy. And when that happens, I'll be satisfied. And when that happens, I'll be full. But the carrot and the stick were always just a head ahead of me. And what I learned in that whole pursuit of life is if I don't take my happiness, my joy, my peace with me, it'll never be there when I get there. So I was looking in the wrong place. And the AA said, so were they. They said, look within. Discover the calamities, pomps, and worships that are obscuring your consciousness of the power within you to become that which you were purposed to be. And then walk out and tell the story of the delivery from that that you are experiencing and why you're now there to help them with a similar delivery. And if you'll do that, you'll not only get well, you'll stay well. Okay. So then it says, everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions for which there's good evidence but no perfect visual proof and does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof. It's con it being... It is being constantly revealed as mankind studies the material world that outward appearances are not inward reality at all. Do you notice that? What it looks like, not necessarily what it is, especially in the digital age. But this is written a long time ago, and even then we knew things weren't always as they appeared. Yes? All right, so to, they talk about the prosaic steel girder as a mass of electrons whirling around each other at incredible speed. We understand that scientifically, yes? But that's not what we see when we look at a girder. Okay? These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold true throughout the material world. Science tells us so. We have no reason to doubt it. So we know that this is a mass of electrons whirling around at an incredible speed, and you're a mass of electrons whirling around at an incredible speed. We know it. But do we know it? How many of you have found, as you've grown up in this thing, that you're empowered to behave kinder than you feel? Well, that can't happen in the material world because we are action-reaction at the cellular level. 
So the minute I'm empowered to act kinder than I feel like being, I'm experiencing a power greater than me because it's not possible in the material realm for that to happen. Does that make sense? We're going to have to walk it out to prove it to ourselves because we'll come to doubt, right? All right. So when, however, the perfectly logical assumption is suggested underneath the material world and life as we see it, there is an all-powerful guiding creative intelligence. Right there, our perverse streak comes to the surface and we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it isn't so. We read wordy books and indulge in windy arguments thinking we believe this universe needs no God to explain it. So important you get the power part there. It makes no sense to say the universe needs no power to explain it because the universe is apparently animated by power everywhere we look. But the minute we substitute the word God for power, the prejudice kicks in unless we know from experience that they're interchangeable. Which is all we're endeavoring to do here is to change your mind when someone says God, the sensory nature of the power that we call God that flows through us defies explanation. It's only a personal experience that will move you into the direction you need to go. So were our contentions true, it would follow that life originated out of nothing, means nothing, and proceeds nowhere. Instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, spearheads of God's ever-advancing creation, we agnostics and atheists chose to believe that our Human intelligence was the last word, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end of all. Rather vain of us, wasn't it? So I don't want to just agree with him, although Sean's read the book a time or two, so he just jumped right in. You guys understand what they're saying? Alpha is the beginning. Omega is the end. How many of you consulted with the humans that got together that resulted in you? I'm asking how many of you have parents? Did they consult you before they did what they did in order for you to? I'm guessing not. That would suggest that whatever you believe about conception, you weren't consulted prior, therefore you know nothing of Alpha. Fair enough? How many of you did stuff that you watched a lot of people die from? How many of you got to the point where you didn't care and kind of hoped for it for yourself? Even put yourself in positions for it to happen for you? Doesn't sound like you know much about the end either. How many of you don't remember decades like me? I don't know the alpha, I don't know the omega, I don't remember much between. So that would be rather vain of me to think I'm all that. Make sense? Are we now with them? So rather vain of us, wasn't it? Okay. So we who have traveled this dubious path beg you to lay aside prejudice, even against organized religion. We've learned that whatever the frail, human frailties of various faiths may be, those faiths have given purpose and direction to millions. What'd they say? The faith, not the religion, guys. The faith. The faith has given purpose, deliverance to millions. People of faith have a logical idea what life is all about. Actually, we used to have no reasonable conception whatever. 
We used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices when we might have observed that many spiritually minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness which we should have sought ourselves. And I always just talk to the people that have been in and out of recovery rooms, if nothing else. How many of you bounced a few times? Did you go back and see some of the same people still there happy and shaking hands? So even if it was just that, and if you had a church family, you saw people that came and served, and yes? Okay. So it says, instead, we looked at the human defects of these people and sometimes used their shortcomings as a basis for wholesale condemnation. Any of you do that? Just screw those people. We talked of intolerance while we were intolerant ourselves. That's the weird thing about judgment. I don't know whether I'm seeing how you're acting and speaking or whether I'm seeing my thoughts about how you're thinking. And so until I awaken and get into discipline, relieve this plank from my eye so I can better see to help my brother, then, then I'm not any good. I just suffer. We talked of intolerance while we were intolerant ourselves. We missed the reality and the beauty of the forest because we were diverted by the ugliness of some of its trees. We never gave the spiritual side of life a fair hearing. It says, in our personal stories, you'll find a wide variation in the way each teller approaches and conceives of the power, God, power, which is greater than himself. Whether we agree with a particular approach or conception seems to make little difference. Experience has taught us that these are matters about which, for our purpose, we need not be worried. These are questions for each individual to settle for himself. I don't need you to believe in what I believe. I only need you to believe that I believe. I, I even know that everyone in here thinks they know what I believe based on what you've heard me say, and I suggest to you, you only know your thoughts about what you think you heard me say. Very confusing, isn't it? So you're going to have to get into personal relationship because it really is that complex. Because he doesn't think any more of you than he thinks about the other 7 billion people I share the planet with. So we all got to get hooked up because we all got this thing. We want you, we're not trying to clone you into a little likenesses of us. You're made in the likeness of him and it's glorious. So I got to get, I got to get wrapped up here at the bottom of this page. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed, worldly meaning they've been out in the world. They like the stuff that glitters. They they're educated, right? They were doctors, lawyers, business leaders. They, these were not what one would think ignorant people. They had understanding of scientific things and yet they found themselves in a problem that they could not solve and this problem was solved for them through them and they bear witness in this book. Here are thousands of men and women worldly indeed. Does that make sense? Okay. They flatly declare that since they've come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. How many of you need such a revolution? On the regular, right? Okay. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. This happened 
after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. What are those? Trust God, because I've met him. Clean house. Work with others. Right? The tangible experience. We're not asking you to come to believe in something out there. I hear people say, I'm not going to believe in a man in the sky. Okay, don't. Believe in a power within you. Believe that he's expressing power, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction in and through you. And the only way you're going to feel the full tangible effect of it is to offer it to your brother or sister. Because he always gives me more power than I need when I go to help somebody else. 